so we are we are entering a one of the I guess best months that uh, that one can say we love Christmas time, right? And when December rolls around, uh, usually people have calendars of when Christmas is going to come and when New Year's is going to arrive. And one of the great things about Christmas is we get to eat with our families on that on that 25th day and our 24th day. If you guys meet with your family uh, in a day before Christmas. Um, also, you get to open presents, which is a wonderful thing. We all like to receive things. But as great as this month is for all of us, or many of us, uh, this month, as well as the month of April, is probably the most blasphemous month and idolatrous month that we are uh, living in. Uh, when we think about Christmas time, we think about various lights on houses and on trees. We think of Christmas trees. Uh, we think of presents and things like that. And we see visuals of these things. In fact, yesterday I was in Pasadena and I saw nothing but Christmas-themed things. Uh, saw Santa Claus and all these other things. But what you will see uh, no doubt during this holiday season is images of Jesus Christ or so-called images of Jesus. You will see uh, the nativity scene. You will see Mary. You will see Joseph. And more than likely, you will see a baby in a manger. There are many th- plays that will happen in churches that portray this scene in fact, when, uh, when I was younger, I was in a play. I was one of the wise men um, that's portrayed uh, you know, them. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is as great as this month is, it's also unfortunate that a month that's supposed to be about Jesus Christ is really a month that depicts a false Christ, and not really who he is. Yes, the eternal son came in the flesh. But the way that we depict that is idolatrous. It's blasphemous. It's something that we should turn our faces away when we see. So this evening, I want us to consider one of our traditions that we've all grown up seeing and learning well, maybe not learning. If learning, it is just the simple, hey, look at Jesus on this picture, or look at Jesus carved out on this wood. But a tradition that I think that we need to examine in light of, first, what the Scripture says, but also what our Reformed heritage says. We want to be those who are equipped with the Word of God and what the Word of God says, but what those great theologians of the past have said about images of Jesus Christ. So we want to consider the second commandment and its relationship to images of Christ. And the basic question that I propose to you is this. Are images of Jesus acceptable? Should we have images of Jesus, whether that be a picture, whether that be a carved out image, whether that be a statue, 
whether that be on children books, whether that be in Bibles, should we have images of Jesus? And let me say at the forefront that this is really what distinguishes the Reformed faith from all other strands of Christianity. Roman Catholics will wholeheartedly disagree with me this evening. Lutherans, Eastern Orthodox, they will wholeheartedly disagree with me this evening. And I will wholeheartedly tell them that they are wrong uh, in their, in their uh, view of thinking that that image that they have is a portrayal of our Lord Jesus Christ. So images of Jesus Christ, where do we start? Well, all images of Christ and the argument for uh, images of Jesus Christ start and end with what the Word of God says. What does the Bible say concerning images of Jesus Christ? And to put it more narrowly, what does God's law say about images of Jesus Christ? We read the first commandment as, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. That's a pretty clear commandment, is it not? The second commandment is you shall, love, you shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or is that in the water under the earth. You shall not bow to them or worship them. Now, here, God is doing two things. First, he is forbidding any images that try to depict him or any images that you carve out and you worship. You see, if there is no other God in the first commandment, in the second commandment, he is teaching his people how we are to approach this God who is none other. God is forbidding any images that try to picture or depict who he is. God cannot be drawn on a piece of paper. He cannot be carved out by wood because he is spirit. He is invisible. He is immaterial. We can't see him. Therefore, we are incapable of capturing a God who is invisible, but more so, he is incomprehensible. And what that means is that we cannot circumscribe the being of God. We cannot put God on a piece of paper and then say, here, this is an image of God, because God goes beyond our limits, beyond our depths. He goes beyond a piece of paper and drawings and things like that. Deuteronomy 4.15, Therefore watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on that day of the Lord, spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Beware, lest you act corruptively by making a carved image for yourselves and in the form of any figure, the likeness of male and female. Leviticus 26.1, You shall not make idols for yourselves, or an image or pillar. You shall not set up a figured stone in your land or bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. 
Isaiah 40, verses 18 and 20 through 20. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compared to, with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and casts it for silver change. Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Acts 17, 29 and 30, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like silver, gold, or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people to repent everywhere. It is clear from these passages, both Old and New Testament, that we should not and are not allowed to draw a picture of God. Plain and simple. There is no picture that properly portrays Jesus or God whether that be Father, whether that be the Son, and whether that be the Spirit. God forbids any pictures that try to depict him. Now keep that argument on the left side of your brain, if you would. We cannot draw any images of God, whether that be on paper or stone or wood or what have you. Now, how does this relate to Jesus Christ? How does not making images of God relate to Jesus Christ? Well, first we have to ask, who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? And the common answer that many will give is Jesus is the God-man. Because if we're asking a question about Jesus Christ, we're asking a question of ontology, who he is in his being. We're asking something about his person and his nature. Who is he? And again, many will say that he is the God-man or that he's truly God or truly man. And while I think that that language is biblical and orthodox, we should keep with that type of language. I say that type of language. I think that there is a more precise way in speaking about the person of Jesus Christ. So I think it's better to say when asked, who is Jesus we should say Jesus is the Son of God incarnate. He is the Son of God incarnate. Because this accurately captures the person of Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God who became flesh. The doctrine of the Trinity is said that it is, there is one God in three persons. The Father is a person, the Son is a person, the Spirit is a person. Mind you, they are divine persons. Now, with regard to Christ, Jesus Christ is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is the second person of the Trinity. The Son of God took on a reasonable, a reasonable soul and assumed a human body. Theologians say he took on a human nature. He took to himself a true human nature. He gave his human nature personality. 
It's not as if when the eternal son took to himself a human nature, he didn't take a human nature from already an existing person, but rather from the womb of Mary, the Holy Spirit worked and created a human nature. That is why we say Jesus Christ is of the substance of Mary with respect to his human nature. So if we were to look at Jesus Christ, who will we see? Will we see merely a man? No. We will see the God-man. We will see God in the flesh. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that he will be glowing? Does that mean that when we look at Christ, we will already uh, see the divine nature? We will already see that he is God? No. If we were to see Jesus over 2,000 years ago, we would not see anything in him, but, you know, physically, that would cause us to say, that is God. But that's what Isaiah tells us, right? There was nothing outwardly that showed his divinity. He didn't have glowing eyes, glowing hair, right? Anything, his footsteps weren't glowing or anything like that. We wouldn't immediately notice something different about Jesus if we were to see him in his person. Jesus would look just like a regular man, but Jesus was no regular man. And this is the common confession of the church, is that although Jesus, the eternal son, took on a human nature like ours, with all its common infirmities and properties, although he is like us in one sense, he is also unlike us in another sense. Jesus is the God-man. He is the eternal Son in human flesh. Jesus is in a far different category than anything else in this universe because he is God in the flesh. And the reason why the Reformed have said no to images of Christ is because since Jesus is God, If we draw pictures of Jesus, that is a direct violation of the second commandment. Since Jesus is God, and since God forbids any images of him, if we draw an image of Jesus, then we are sinning. We are breaking the second commandment. Again, the second commandment says, You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. The Lord God is forbidding any image of him to be made. And since Jesus Christ is truly God, although he took on human flesh, we cannot draw a picture or carve out an image of him. Simple as that. Now, it seems that that would be enough. Right? Simple argument. Jesus is God. God forbids any images of him, therefore, case closed, no images of Jesus. But there is also a counter-argument to all the things that we have said up to this point. And the number one argument is this. Images of Jesus Christ are portraying his human nature, not divine nature. That might be maybe one of the arguments you would bring to the table. 
that Jesus Christ in these images, we're just portraying the humanity of Jesus, since he is man, right? Although we can't draw an image of the divine, and many people who argue against the images, or for images, would say, yes, we cannot draw images of God. But we can draw images of Jesus because he is God who took on flesh, and you can see flesh. So therefore, you can draw images of him. That's perfectly fine. Now, how do we answer such claim? I think an objection like that shows how one doesn't understand the person of Jesus Christ. They don't understand who Jesus Christ is in his person. Now, let's remember, friends, that Jesus is a divine person who assumed a body and rational soul. As a result, he is one person. He is a divine person with a divine nature and human nature. Now, we have to answer, what is a person and what is a nature? Two really big questions in philosophy. What is a person and what is a nature? A person is an active subject who does things and to whom things happen. An active subject who does things and to things happen. Herman Bovink explains, a person is what exists in and for itself, the owner, possessor, and master of a nature, a completion of existence, sustaining and determining the existence of a nature, the subject, the person that lives, thinks, wills through his nature. Now, let me give you an example. I am speaking to you now, but who is it speaking to you? Is it my nature speaking or is it my person that is speaking to you? It is my person that is speaking to you. Because persons are active subjects. Now, how am I able to speak to you in a way that you'll be able to understand? My nature determines the kind of person that I am. That is why I can't bark at you and you can understand. Or that's why I can't burp, uh, uh, chirp like a bird and you'll be able to understand. Because it is not of my nature to bark. It is not of my nature to chirp. Right? And it is not of your nature to understand those things. Although if you have a dog, never mind. Um, but it is not of our nature to, to think like that. It is the person of Isaiah who is speaking to you now. And the nature, my nature, my human nature, determines the manner in which I speak to you. Let me give you another example. This will get more into what we are talking about. When one points to a picture of a friend, they might say that this is a picture of my friend. But they won't say that this is a picture of my friend's body or this is a picture of my friend's nature. But they'll say, this is a picture of my friend. Now, why don't they say that this is a picture of my friend's body or this is a picture of my friend's nature? Because a picture represents all that the person is. This one is both body and soul. No one has a bodiless soul. And souls are immaterial. So with images of Jesus, 
We can't speak of them as images of merely a body, nor can we speak of images as merely a nature. But when we consider images, especially when it comes to Jesus, these are images of not a human nature and not a human body, but they are images of Jesus, the person. So then we have to ask, what kind of person is Jesus? Is he a human person? Or is he a divine person? And if he's a divine person, then we have to consider no images of Jesus Christ. So when one says, this is a picture of the human nature or human side of Jesus, they're failing to understand who Jesus is in his person. Now, I brought an illustration, okay? Lord, forgive me, but I thought it would be helpful. It's a teaching tool, but uh, after this, I will throw this away. (laughs) This is a book, and it supposedly has Jesus on it, right? Now, to summarize all that what I've said, when people look at this, they automatically think that this is a picture of the man Jesus, right? This is a picture of the humanity of Jesus. But friends, in saying that, are you also denying that he is truly God? So you have a picture of a so-called person who is Jesus, but he's not a human person. He's a divine person who took on a human nature. And natures are not visible. In order for a nature to be visible... It must be combined with a body, a person. So since Jesus Christ is a divine person, since he is God in the flesh, any image of Jesus represents the person. This image right here doesn't represent the human Jesus. And if it's only the human Jesus, then are we doing justice to who Jesus was? And is. It doesn't, right? It doesn't do justice to who he is. But rather, it denies who he is. Friend, again, this is a picture of the person of Jesus, not merely a nature, not merely a body. And since Jesus is God, any picture representing Jesus is necessarily claiming to represent and to be an image of the second person of the Trinity. And we can't do that. We can't draw a picture of Jesus and say that this is a picture of the human nature of Jesus. Because although Jesus has a true human nature, he is not a human person. He's a divine person. And therefore, any images of Jesus violate the second commandment because they are attempting to draw a picture of God. Simple argument, right? And this is the testimony of the New Testament. John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. John 1.14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who became flesh? Jesus. But who is Jesus? Who is Jesus in his person? He is the second person of the Trinity. So it is the second person of the Trinity who became flesh. 
right? But notice also what John says. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. How does John describe the person of Jesus? He says that he is the eternally begotten Son of God. That's who he is. That's who we saw. We saw God in the flesh. Another reason why images of Jesus are forbidden is because it promotes the heresy of what is called Nestorianism. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but Nestorianism was simply this. Nestorians believed that there was two subjects in Christ. That Christ was a human person and a divine person. Because since Christ had a human nature and divine nature, then he must be a human person and a divine person. Well, that doesn't make sense, first off. But also, the church confesses that in Christ, he is one united person. We cannot split the natures so far to where now you're looking at the human Jesus, and then we can't see the divine person of Jesus because we can't draw a picture of him. We cannot separate the two natures of Christ to the point where we have a picture of Jesus here, and that's his humanity, and then you have a picture of Jesus here that represents his deity. Any image of Jesus is a picture of the, of the eternal Son. We cannot divide the person of Christ. He is one person with two distinct natures. John Calvin speaks to this point. Behold, they paint and portray Jesus Christ, who, as we know, is not only man, but also God manifested in flesh. And what a representation is that? He is God's eternal Son. Thomas Watson, in A Body of Divinity, he says, Question, if it not be lawful to make the image of God the Father, yet may we not make an image of Christ, who took upon him the nature of man. So we know that we can't draw an image of the Father. But can we draw an image of Jesus because he took on flesh? He says, No. Seeing an image of Christ hanging in a church, break it into pieces. It is Christ's Godhead, united to his manhood, that makes him be Christ. Therefore, to picture his manhood, we cannot picture his Godhead. It is a sin, because we make him to be but half Christ. We separate what God have joined. We leave out that which is the chief thing which makes him Christ. In other words, if you see this image, what you're looking at is a half Christ, not a full Christ. What Calvin and Watson is saying is you can't say that a picture of Christ is merely his humanity without saying that this is a picture of the second person of the Trinity. You can't separate the two natures of Christ. You can't say that this is a picture of the man Jesus without saying that this is a picture of the Son of God. Another reason why pictures of Jesus are forbidden is because a picture of Christ doesn't depict his humanity, but rather it denies his humanity. A picture of Christ doesn't depict his humanity, rather it denies his humanity. And the reason why pictures of Jesus deny his humanity is because this is not Christ's humanity. <laughs> Although he was human, we have to understand that we don't know how tall Jesus was. We don't know the size of his nose, the size of his ears, his hair color, any of those things. In fact, 
There's a scene in Malcolm X when Malcolm is in uh, prison and he's in service, a Christian service, and he asks a question and he says, what was, the, uh, what was Jesus' skin color? And the pastor says, it's obvious he's white. There was a picture of white Jesus on there. And he said, well, it's obvious that that says that Jesus is white. And I think that that's how we are to approach this. Is it's, Since we see this, they say, well, look, he, he had a beard and he had certain features, but how do we know that these are the features that Jesus had? Thank you, Selah. That was a good amen. In fact, we don't even know what Mary looks like. So how would we know what her son looks like if we don't even know what the mother looked like? We don't know how tall he is. We don't know his ear size, any of those things. John Owen captures this well. Hear what he says. However such pictures may be adorned, however beautiful and enriched, they are not that Christ which the soul of the spouse does love. No matter how beautiful it is, that's not your Christ. He says they are not any means of representing his love unto us or of conveying our love unto him. They only divert the minds of superstitious persons from the Son of God unto the embraces of a cloud composed of fancy and imagination. We just watched a video right now which shows a lot of people's fancy and imagination, right, of how they approach God. And Owen is right. Images of Jesus are not depictions of who Jesus really is, but only an imagination, one's imaginations of who they think Jesus is. This is merely just one's imagination. But this is not Jesus Christ. In fact, friends, how would you feel if someone was drawing pictures of you and it wasn't really what you look like? The second Helvetic Confession says, Although Christ assumed human nature, yet he did not on that account assume it in order to provide a model for painters or carvers. Although he assumed a human nature, he didn't give us any warrant to draw that human nature. I would also add that images of Jesus Christ is a misrepresentation of what Christ looks like now. This is Christ 2,000 years ago. But is this Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father glorified? No, it's not. Because we cannot draw God in all of his glory. Another reason why images of Christ are forbidden is because of the current age that we're living in. We're almost to a close here. The apostolic testimony defines us as a people who do not see Jesus. That's how we are defined in this age, is that Paul says we live by faith and not by sight. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Jesus says, truly blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. We are a people who walk by faith and not by sight. That's the overall testimony of the Christian believer in the New Testament. We, as people who, get, who have not seen Christ, don't seek his presence by images. We don't seek his presence by crucifixes and things like that. But we seek Christ's presence in the way that he has ordained us to seek him, by word and sacrament. That is how we see Christ, through his word, through the Lord's Supper.
and the waters of baptism. David Van Druden says, we listen to the word, have it confirmed to our sight, and touch in the sacraments and respond with faith and worship. The more faith you have in response to the word and to the Lord's table, you will see Christ more visibly. He also says the Lord Jesus Christ, ontologically speaking, could not be seen and even could not have been drawn or photographed like any other human being. But the present age between his ascension and second coming is not an age of seeing, for an age of suffering, but an age of suffering in which we know him by faith through the presence of the Spirit, the hearing of the word, and the participation in the sacraments. The glorious day is coming when we will see him face to face. But until that day, and this is really important, but until that day, we should not force the eschatological calendar ahead of schedule by trying to make Jesus visible in our way. There is a grand vision that awaits us, which we know as the beatific vision. We should not push the calendar forward toward that vision by making blasphemous and idolatrous and misrepresentations of Jesus Christ like this. We don't need images of Jesus Christ. Why? Another argument. Because we have his word. His word is sufficient. You want to know who Jesus is? Read his word. What good is this image for us? It doesn't tell us that he's truly God. It tells us that he was a man. But it doesn't tell us that he died for my sin, that he lived for me, that he was born under the law to redeem those who are under the curse of the law doesn't tell us that he rose from the dead. doesn't tell us that he ascended to the right hand of the Father. It's just a picture. What does the word tell us? The word tells us that he is the promised seed of Genesis 3.15. The word tells us that he's the second Adam. Do for us what Adam could not do for us. The word is far better than any image. And I would even say, as Owen says, that images of Christ don't strengthen our faith, but they weaken our faith. Because that's not who Jesus is. You want your faith strengthened? Come each Sunday morning. Listen to the preached word. Participate in the Lord's Supper. Praise God for those who are getting baptized. That's how you have your faith strengthened. And lastly, church history tells us that the early church forbid images of Christ. There is no evidence until we get to the third century, that there was any images of Jesus Christ. And I have a list of, of, of early church fathers uh, and their quotes, but if you want the notes, I'll send it to you. In closing, one might say, well, what's the point of all this? Uh, pictures of Jesus aren't hurting anyone. We're not dying because there is an image of Jesus up. Uh, does this all matter? And friends, the answer to that is simply this. Does God's word matter? Does God's law matter? Does how we approach God matter? Do how we live as Christians who are trying to be consistent as Christians living unto God's word, does that matter? Does it matter at all um, how we think about Jesus Christ? It does matter. Because God's word matters. Now, is it killing anyone? No. But you're sinning greatly against God. Because that's not who he is. That's not my savior. We don't like it when someone 
talks about our mothers and fathers in a way that's not really them, that misrepresents them, how much more should we be when we consider an image of Jesus? That's not who Jesus is. That's not the Savior who died for me because that's not a picture of the God-man. We don't need images of Christ, and this is my last argument. Why? Because we have the Lord's Supper. We don't need images, friends. We don't need bells and whistles as we just watched right now on the screen. We don't need crosses hanging up. We don't need um, a nativity scene. and We don't need uh, a, a sequence of the various events in the life of Christ. We have the Lord's Supper. Richard Sibbs on this matter. Oh, but to behold Christ in the glass of the world with the spirit of faith, that is the best picture and representation that can be. The best picture to see Christ in is the word and sacraments. And the best eye to see him with is the eye of faith, of the word and of the sacraments. Then he adds, keep that clear, we don't need crucifixes. (laughs) Stephen Charnock says concerning the Lord's Supper, This is all the picture of Christ has left of himself. He never appointed any images or crucifixes, never imprinted the features of his face upon Veronica's napkin. I don't know who Veronica is, but apparently she had a napkin and had an image of Jesus on it. But we don't need any of that stuff because God has given us the Lord's Supper, but that's not the main argument. The main argument is because he's truly God. And if he's truly God, then we don't need no images of him. We see Christ through the eyes of faith at the Lord's Supper. He says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do you believe that? He says, this cup is poured out for you in the new covenant in my blood. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when you partake of the Lord's Supper, that you are spiritually, yet really, feasting upon the body and blood of the Lord? We see at the Lord's table, both, his life, and his death for us. You want something visible? We have the Lord's Supper. And friends, I encourage you that this lesson was not to um, put a downer on those who love images of Jesus. But if you do love images of Jesus, then I want you to reconsider those images of Christ and who it really is. But also, I want to encourage you to come to the table where you see Christ more visibly and more accurately than any painter could paint, than anyone could carve out with wood or stone. We want to see Jesus come with faith to the Lord's table. And then one day, we will see him face to face in all that he is, With eyes of glory, we will see the Son of glory. So friends, let's pray, and then let's come to the Lord's table.